good morning everybody again and good morning online those of you are watching um i just got one announcements before we get started uh first of all uh, i'll start with our bible classes our bible classes are growing we have those now online on our on our website lighthousediscipleship.org so you can take them at your own pace go as fast as you want or as slow as you want uh there's still interaction i i i I've been informed after each session that I can uh, interact a little bit with you, but not. Uh, but it's, uh, it's free, and it's at your own page, so you just go to our Bible classes page on our website and just register, and once we get you all enrolled and everything, then you're pretty much at your own pace. Um, anyway, that's growing. We now have, uh, it's growing almost every, every day we get a new registration, so we've been just growing, and uh, it's, it's been going very well. Uh, also, our Bible studies, let me just make a mention for that. Our Pasadena Bible study will be taking a, a break. Uh, uh, last night was our last night until January. Uh, we won't, won't take, take it, or we, we'll uh, resume or reconvene, I guess. Again, I don't know. I felt, felt like a court case if I did that. Uh, but anyway, uh, and the second week in January, we'll, uh, we, we'll get together uh, and uh, start restarting the Bible study. But our Sunday night Bible study here, we're not taking a break. We're just going to go straight through. That's been the pattern pretty much for the last uh, three or four years we've been doing that. And, uh, but uh, anyway, so we'll be here tonight at 6 o'clock for our Bible study. Um, and then uh, let me just mention two weeks from now, that will be Thanksgiving weekend, November the 30th. It's a Saturday. Uh, that Saturday of November weekend, we're going to be showing the movie uh, The Heart of Christmas. Uh, it's a theater production put on by Karis. Yeah, Bible College, and I need to turn off my cell phone if I know where I put it. And uh, uh, we, um, excuse me, why I interrupt myself. <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, we'll be showing that on Saturday the 30th at 6 o'clock here. And uh, they put on four productions now, uh, and two of them we have on DVD. It's a, a very powerful but also uh, awesome just production. So if you can be here, Feel free to bring anyone you want, and we'll have food here. Feel free to bring food, uh, but if that's not a requirement, uh, it's just uh, come and have a good time as we watch it on the, on the big screen here. And, uh, and so that's uh, Saturday the 30th, November 30th, uh, right here at 6 o'clock. And if I'm missing any other announcements, it's on our website. <laughs> so um, uh, I think that's enough advertisements for now. So we're good? So a little warm for a November morning here. Where I don't know where you guys might be watching. Uh, but that's a little warm for us. But anyway. Alright. Well, uh, if you have your Bibles, go and turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We'll pick it up in verse 10. talking the last, uh, I think we're in week three now, um, talking about in Christ realities, and I was talking to someone this week, what do you mean by realities? Well, we're born again, and we are born of God, and who we are in Christ is actually more real than who we are in the flesh, and I know that's hard for our natural mind to, to process that sometimes, because we see natural. 
we touch, we feel, we, 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 we touch. We, since we were uh, babies, since we were could reason to any level, uh, we've known everything from the natural realm. That's all we've ever known from the natural realm, in that sense. But we are a spirit, soul, and body. We are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. And, uh, and so uh, and when we're born again, the real us, the real spirit is in Christ. And there's three over 300 scriptures that talk about who we are in Christ. And we can't see that through our natural eye. We can't feel that with our natural senses. But we can know that by the Word of God. And what the Word of God says we are. And we've been talking about we need to see ourselves as God sees us. God sees us in Christ. We're either in Christ or we are in Adam. There's only two kinds of seeds. Or there's only two kinds of mankind, if, you, if you, I can put it that way. There was Adam, and every, every seed came according to its kind. We all came naturally from Adam. But Christ, Jesus, was born of a virgin. And, and, the, and I'm uh, just a little uh, science for us, in case we've forgotten. The male carries the seed. And Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. Adam is called the first Adam. Jesus is called the second or the last Adam. In, in other words, there's a whole new prototype, a whole new species, so to speak, spiritually speaking. And uh, I'm not trying to get into all that, all that detail, but we're born again. And who we are in Christ is real. And we need to live from a, from a living revelation of who we are in Christ. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Because that's, that's important. Because it will change how you live. It will change how you make decisions. It will change how you look at life. It will change how you approach God. It will change how you approach others. It will change how you deal with the devil. It will change how you deal with things. Because of who we are in Christ. And we need to, we need to know who we are. Because uh, everything springs from that. If we don't even know, some of us are still trying to figure out who we are in a sense. And, uh, and we need to know who we are. Well, like I said, there's over 300 scriptures that are talking about who we are in Christ. But in uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And you are complete, where? In Him, who is the head of all principality and power. We are complete in Him. Outside of Christ, we are incomplete. And it says in 1 Peter 1.23, that we're born again, uh, we're, not, we're born again not a corruptible seed, which is Adam, we were born again of incorruptible seed, which is Christ. There's no corruption in Christ. And we're born of his seed. And uh, from that, we, 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 that's what we've been talking about. The first week we talked about, we went to Numbers chapter 13. We spent a little bit of time looking at the 12 spies. And we used that to springboard some thoughts. Because uh, when uh, Moses sent the 12 spies to spy out the land, he told them to be of good courage. God told them what the land would be like. It would be a land flowing with milk and honey. It would be a good land. He also told them about the giants and different things. And when they got there, there were giants. And all they could focus on was the giants. And they, they saw the land was good. But they, they but there's a verse in, in Numbers 13, verse 33. It says that we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And that's not how, that's not how God saw them. But that's how they saw themselves. And ten of the ten of the twelve spies, about eighty percent of the of the, of the spies, came back and said, "We can't do what God told us to go do, because of how they saw themselves." 
But Caleb and Joshua, it says that they had a different spirit, and they said, we can do what God said we can do. I don't care what kind of giants there are. You know, when David came on the scene with Goliath, he, did, he had a covenant relationship with God, and he, didn't, he wasn't concerned about the, the strength and the size of, of Goliath. He was concerned only about one thing, what God, who God said he was. David saw himself in God's eyes, and David took out Goliath. Uh, uh, he wasn't, that wasn't even his job. His job was just to bring cheese and crackers to his brothers and obedience to his dad. It was the armies of Israel. King Saul's job to take out Goliath, in a sense, from a military standpoint, uh, from a national standpoint. But they were not resting what God said they were. They were wallowing in fear. They were wallowing in where Goliath said they were. And they're comparing themselves to Goliath. Anyway, uh, I don't want to get off my boat. Uh, get off my, oh, I don't know where that came from. Uh, maybe I did get too much sleep there tonight. So, um, but anyway, hopefully I'm making sense. But how we see ourselves will affect everything about our lives. It will affect how we relate to God, how we relate to others. It will affect how we relate to our circumstances. Just like I talked about David Goliath. If we don't see ourselves in who we are in Christ, when we come across circumstances, whatever that might be, needing wisdom, relationships, finances, health, whatever the case may be, we're going we're gonna to tackle those circumstances or relate to those circumstances based on how we see ourselves, either in Christ or in the flesh. Either we're going to try to accomplish it in our own reasoning and wisdom or, or, or other people. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take on that circumstance and deal with that circumstance based on who we are in Christ. And that changes everything. That changes everything. Uh, last week, uh, we, we began to talk about uh, uh, Abraham. We went to uh, Genesis chapter 17, and we started talking about uh, Abraham. And I, I just want to backtrack a little bit on that, because I didn't feel like I completely finished. But Abraham, as we're talking about who we are in Christ, uh, Abraham, God came to Abraham and says, um, he, first of all, he revealed himself to Abraham, and then he... He called Abraham into a relationship with him. He told Abraham his purpose, that he would be a father of many nations, which actually meant he also changed his name. And we talked a little bit last week when our identity will determine how we accomplish our destiny. And uh, a change of destiny, a uh, change of identity, or, or how do I exactly put it, uh, our, uh, how we identify with our uh, a change of identity or just a change of destiny. We can't fulfill our purpose, our destiny in this life if we don't know who we are. We're going to be like a dog chasing its tail until we figure out who we are. But we are in Christ. Um, so with that in mind, um, I want to go back to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 4. Hopefully I'm making a little bit of sense. Uh... And some of you might be asking, why are we looking at the Old Testament in the sense of the 12 spies, Abraham, for example, when we're talking about who we are in Christ, how does that connect? And that, that can be a very valid question. But I believe all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training, and righteousness, so the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for the good work. Jesus said this, testimony. You search the scriptures, for they testify of me. 
And if you, you, I, I, I've found that you can't really understand the Old Testament until you understand Christ of the New Testament, until you understand the Gospel. But once you understand the Gospel, you understand Christ, the living Word, you can go back and you can see Christ being revealed, even in the Old Testament. But I'm dealing with identity. Uh, we're going to be talking about some other things when we, uh, starting hopefully next week, when we talk about being in Christ. But this first segment of this mess, this series, I want to be t I'm talking about the value of identity. And then we're going to get into some more uh, New Testament scriptures about who we are in Christ. But we need to know who we are. The 12 spies, I know what the 12 spies, because they, they, they were looking at how they saw themselves in the natural. And uh, versus uh, Caleb and Joshua, they saw who they were in God's eyes. Abraham, uh, God began to reveal himself, call him to a covenant relationship, and then change his name. He told his purpose that he was going to bless Abraham so he could bless all the nations. You know, sometimes we focus on Israel, and, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a purpose for that in one sense, but at the same point in time, God blessed Israel so he could bless all the nations. That was his purpose. It wasn't just about Israel. Israel is his firstborn. Uh, it's just, but at the same point in time, God wanted to bless Abraham and bless Israel so he could bless all the nations. God wants to bless us so we can be the blessing to all the families of the earth. God wants to bless us with Christ in us so that we can be the light of the world. We can be the salt of the earth. That he's redeemed us by his blood so that we can be kings and priests in this earth. And we can be reigning in this earth to bring other people into Christ, into a living relationship with God. We're the head and not the tail. We're blessed and not cursed. We are above and not beneath. God wants to bless us so that we can bless others. Yes, He wants to have a relationship with us, but He also wants us to bless one another. And, uh, and, and sometimes, you know, if all we're focused on is ourselves, don't get offended by that, but that can be very selfish. If all we're thinking of me being blessed and me having a relationship with God, in my, my relationship, praise God for that. The best thing I can do in my marriage is having my own relationship with God. At the same point in time, it's not just me and God, it's me and God so that we can be also have vertical relationships or horizontal relationships. We need to have this vertical relationships. Sorry, I got my, my vertical horizontal backwards. Uh, but... Uh, but we need to have a vertical relationship so we can have horizontal. It's not just about this, but we have this so we can have these type of relationships. That makes sense? We have to have the root. We have to have the seed so we can have the fruit. Um, God, it's, we are part of the family of God. We are the body of Christ. I don't just have a head. I, if I had a head, I wouldn't be able to do anything. You know? Um, I mean, can you imagine if that's not, I mean... I, we can get real, real imaginative with this, you know. But God gives a whole body. And I don't know about you, but one part of my body is just not doing so well. My whole body fills it. And so we are the body of Christ. Yes, he's the head, and, and, and everything stems from that. But it's not just about that. We are, And it's not just about us. It's not just about the church. It's not just about Christians. God, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But it starts as a starting point. There is a, there is a, there is a point of conception. There, it's got to start somewhere. And it starts with our relationship with God. 
but we're never going to fulfill our destiny in, in reaching the world if we don't know who we are. If we're just one of them, well, we're not just one of them. This is way ahead of my nose, but we, we are a peculiar people. We are a chosen generation. We are the people of God. We are the children of God. We are uh, the apple of His eye. Uh, there's so many scriptures I can, but we need to know who we are so we can do what God's called us to do and be what God calls us to be. That making sense? Okay? So, uh, here in Romans, uh, we're going to pick it in verse 14. Romans 4. So, uh, let me start verse 13. For the promise that he, Abraham, that's who he's talking about here, so Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise that he, Abraham, would be the heir of the world, it wasn't just the heir of Israel, it was the heir of the world, was not to Abraham or to his seed, singular, through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of him who, whom he believed, God who gives light to the dead, and calls the things which do not exist, as though they did. Verse 18, and who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he, Abraham, became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. Now there's a lot in here. I'm not going to go into depth in teaching all this right now. So some of that, for some of you, could be a little confusing. Some of you might understand it. And it, it's so rich if we haven't really understood everything that uh, Paul is saying here regarding Abraham and, and the promise and whatnot. But I, 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 I just want to focus on a couple things here just for right now. Is that God revealed himself to Abraham back in Genesis 17. He, he called him into a relationship. He, changed his, he told him his purpose. He changed his name, his identity. And in the mind of God, when God spoke his word to Abraham, that you're going to be a father of many nations, at the age of 99 years old, he's going to be a father of many nations and he doesn't have a child yet. How are you going to be a father of many nations when you haven't even had one at 99 years old? You know, when, but when the mind of God, when God spoke his word to Abraham, Abram at the time, when God spoke and changed his name, changed his identity, spoke his purpose and destiny. I mean, 99 years old, and you finally find out what your destiny is. You know? I mean, some of us think we're, we're slow. We're only halfway there, some of us. You know, some of us not even, you know, and so we're compared to Abraham. You know, we don't want to compare ourselves because comparing ourselves among themselves is not wise, Paul says. But uh, I'm just putting some things in perspective. Not only did he change his name, and not only was he going to be a father of many nations at 99 years old, when it's actually a year, a little few years later before he actually had Isaac, but, but he did, he's finding out his destiny and his purpose. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm like, Oh, that's a little late. <laughs> you know, I'm just being a little ephemeral in here. Hopefully I'm making some sense. But God's always on time. 
And uh, uh, anyway, that's, a, that's even besides my point I'm trying to make is, but when God changed his name, when God spoke to Abraham, he's speaking to Abraham in a very almost like an impossible situation. He's 99 years old. His, his, uh, his body is dead in the sense that of having a child. Sarah's womb is dead in the sense of having a child. And God, when, but when God spoke that, it was an accomplished fact in the mind of God. It was a done deal. See, when God says who we are in Christ, we might not look it. We might not sound it. We know what we've done. We know what sometimes we're still doing. And we don't see ourselves in Christ from a natural perspective. But when God says who we are in Christ, it's an accomplished fact. It's a done deal. When we're born again and God says who we are in Christ, we need to, in the same way Abraham had to believe God, that he was going to be a father of many nations and his purpose and his destiny and identity, the same way we need to believe our purpose and our destiny and our identity in Christ. It's the same principle. It's the exact same. Am I making sense? I don't, know, I don't know if you caught that. The same way Abraham had to believe God in an impossible situation, no matter what it looked like in the natural, when God says who he was, God said he was going to do, and God said who he was going to be, we have to believe God who we are and what God says we can do in Christ. We need to have that foundation. Abraham would never have been the father of many nations. He would never have accomplished that if he did not believe God. We cannot experience to the fullness of who we are in Christ if we don't believe who God says we are in Christ. We are a new creation. Paul says we know no man after the flesh no longer. That's still hard for our natural mind to the process sometimes because all we see is flesh in a in sense, in the, in, the natural, in the natural. We see we see it, we feel it, we touch it, we, we bleed it. We, 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 but we need to believe God is we are complete in Christ where we started out this morning. And there's 300 scriptures talk about who we are in Christ. And sometimes it doesn't look like it. It didn't look like Abraham could be a, a daddy at 99 years old. It didn't look like he could be the, the father of many nations at that age. Yet alone know his destiny. But God said it, and Abraham believed it. Um, let's go to verse 24. Same chapter, verse 24. Well, actually... Uh, uh, before we do that, go back to verse 18 real quick. And it says, uh, Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of the nation. I just want to comment on that just one more time. I know I had it in my notes here, but I'm just going to go forward anyway. You know, sometimes, sometimes things just look completely hopeless. You know, in the natural. I thought we've ministered to a lot of people through the years, and there was one verse that many people... Uh, they, they hinge on, and there's a verse in Proverbs that talks about hope deferred makes the heart sick. And they, they always they, they almost use that to to validate their misery. And well, my heart's sick because my hope has been deferred. The thing I'm praying for, well, and my heart goes out to them. But at the same point in time, there's nothing good about a sick heart. There's nothing good about that. That's not a good place to be. And then we'd actually finish the verse. The, 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 the writer of Solomon doesn't leave them with a sick heart. They're, they're, and, uh, and, uh, but even beyond that, uh, since we're here in Romans, Romans 5.5 5 says this. 
Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I can go on a lot of different rabbit trails with some of this stuff, but Abraham, one thing I love about Abraham, Abraham did not even consider the deadness of his body, the deadness of, of, of Sarah's womb. He only considered what God said. And I don't know about you, but I need to hear that at times. I need to, I, so, so many times in the things that I go through, and the things that we go through, individually and sometimes even corporately, we need to, and as a nation and as a society, I need to focus on what God says we are. And what God says I can do. Not what the circumstances are. Different things look hopeless. That makes sense? I want to live my life based on, it says in Deuteronomy, the man that shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I need to allow what God says and his word to say says about my situation, about my circumstances, about my health, about my finances, about my relationships, about the wisdom I need, about my budget, about um, everything, anything that, that, that affects me. I need to, 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 to base my life on what God says. If I don't know what God says, then I need to find out. I need to study. I need to get counsel. I need to, 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 to pray that the Holy Spirit lead me and guide me and reveal it to me. And, and there's, some, there's some truths, there's some foundation of truths. We need to seek it out until we find it. There's some things that are not as important, and we'll, 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 we'll learn them along the way. But there's some things, some foundation. Who we are in Christ is a foundational truth. Who we are, that we're born again, and, and our purpose and our destiny. Because if we don't know our destiny, what are we, what are we doing? We're just, we can be wandering in the wilderness. We, you know, there's so many times where Sherry and I want, we want to go out to, out to eat. Well, where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Well, I can't go there. I can't go to. I don't know where. Because first of all, is it north, south, east, west? You know, I, I, I got to know which direction the car is going to go. I can't go, so I don't know what. You know, let's decide where we're going to go. Then we'll go. You know, you know. Um, at least, uh, at least if I know a direction, I can start, uh, you know, steering the car in that direction. But if we don't know where we're going, uh, we, can, we can't know. And even if we know where we're going, we, spiritually speaking, we can't get there. We don't know who we are. The strength, the source, the life comes from knowing who we are. Abraham, God had a purpose to bless the nations. But it started with him knowing who he and God told him who he was. And he believed God against all hope. And contrary to hope, in hope, he believed. That's powerful. And there's some times when we're going to go through some things. And we may face some things that is against all hope. But we know that we know that we know that we know what God said about who we are. God said about the situation. If it's sickness, if it's finances, if it's relationships, whatever it might be, God, we, really when it comes down to it, we only care about one person's opinion about who we are, and that's God's. We, and when they're all said and done, we dance before the audience of one, God. And if other people's opinion of us, including our own, doesn't line up to, to what God says we are, with all due respect, let God be true and every man a liar. 
That makes sense? We need to know what God said, and that should hold all the value, all the weight, and all the, uh, the, the matter. Because when it all comes, I don't care what you think about me. I might feel, yeah, my feelings have a tendency to be hurt, yes, but I, that shouldn't be. I need to focus on what God says I am, because my daddy loves me. And my daddy sent his son to die for me. And I'm the apple of his eye. And that should give me all the strength and whatever to do. I can, in other words, I can do what God says I can do. I can go where God says I can go. I can be where God says I can go. Not because even if I don't care what the situation looks like, but because God said I can. And I'm not going to, I'm believing God, not the other reporter. That makes sense? And uh, we have to renew our mind to that. And that, that's one thing I'm trying to get, that. I'm trying to set some principles here, because God says, God's speaking to Abraham, but God's speaking to us who we are in Christ. Because the, the promise that God made to Abraham, we're going to read here, that God made to, not only to Abraham, but also to his seed. And the Bible says, if we are of Christ, then we are of Abraham's seed. So every promise that God made to Abraham, he made to us in Christ. Every promise he made to Abraham, he made to us in Christ. That's, that, that's a little deep, but and it's, hard, it's hard for our natural minds to speak. To, to, but you can't understand it from a natural perspective. It's a spiritual truth. It's a kingdom principle. You can't even understand it from a natural thing, because it's not natural. It's spiritual. And so uh, you have to know who you are. You have to believe God. You can't, you can't make, put logic to it. You can't put reason to it. Because it's not logical. It's supernatural. It's God. And so, and who we are in Christ is not natural. It's supernatural. It's eternal. We were studying last night. We have an eternal redemption. We have an eternal inheritance. It's not natural. Our relationship with God is eternal. It's not natural. It's not based on natural things. It's based on the Word of God. And our uh, and so uh, our life is, it also said here. I didn't plan on going here, but this it's just coming out, so I'm gonna go. In. <laughs> faith comes from hearing the word God, and it's a faith so that it can be according to grace. God did it by His grace, so that it could the grace and faith work together. It's, we're saved by grace through faith. It's not just grace, and it's not just faith. We need both. We. Grace won't do anything if you don't put faith to it. And faith won't do anything if you don't have any grace to put faith into. So you need both. And so, uh, Abraham believed God. The promise was grace. The promise that he would be a father of many nations. His destiny was, was, was all about grace. Your healing, your provision, everything you need to do what God's called you to do is grace. Your destiny is grace. Your identity is grace. But you have to put faith to it. Because if you don't, uh, where was it? It's not based on your performance. It's not based on the law. Otherwise, the promise is made of no effect. The promise will, not, will be of no effect if you think it's by your, your identity. Your destiny has nothing to do with you in the sense of you earning it. Are you performing it by you keeping the law? It's for those who are of the law are heirs, 
faith is made void. We're not heirs of God. We're not heirs of Christ. We're not heirs of Abraham because of keeping the law. We're heirs because of Christ. Uh, we're, we're heirs because we put faith in Christ and His Word. Because of it, by the law, faith is made void. And if faith is made void, the promise is of no effect. You can't operate in the promise void of, of faith. You need faith to put that promise, to put that destiny, to put that identity into operation. That, am I making sense? I know I'm, I'm talking a little deep here in one, in one sense of it. But, uh, there's a verse, uh, Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. For all the promises. You know what the word all means? I know I say this every time. But the word all in the Greek means all. Everything. It's, it's not excluding anything. All the promises... So in other words, it's not saying some of the promises, the top ten, if you earn them, if you've been a good boy, a good girl. No, all the promises of God, where? Where are they? In Him. In Christ. All the promises of God in Him, in Christ, are yes, not no. You know, we always think God's saying no to us. Well, God's already said yes to all the promises. All the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in Christ, amen. You know what the word amen means in the Greek? So be it. It's like a judge putting that gavel down, so ordered. All the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in Christ, amen. I'm in 2 Corinthians 1.20, in case some of you were wondering. To the glory of God through us. God is glorified. God is glorified when we are operating in all of the promises of God that are in Christ. But we don't even know who we are. We don't even know what the promises are. And I don't, you know, I'm still learning. We're all still learning. But there's a starting point. We will spend the rest of our lives being discipled, in a sense. None of us have mastered this. But there's a starting point. There's a, there, there, there's, there's studying to show yourself approved. There's becoming a disciple and learner. But all the promises of God are in Him, yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. God made a promise to Abraham, but he had to put faith to it. God's given the promises to us. They're, in one sense, they're not just automatic, and we need to put faith to it. We need to believe God. We call ourselves believers. And why? Because that's what we do. We believe. We believe God. If, if God's already made the promise, He's already made the provision, He's already gave the grace, but we need to believe God. You know, we have a car out there. We have a couple vehicles out there. But there's some components they need. They need gas. They need an engine. They need all the other things that are put together. And hopefully, I just said the car is all put together. It's got all those things. But until, until I have a key, and until I have a driver... <laughs> Driving the car, it's not going anywhere. Because if there's no driver in that car with a key, I don't want it going anywhere. You know? I don't want to be neutral and it just start rolling down the driveway. 
or whatever it might be. That make him, I'm just trying to make an analogy here, a metaphor, but God's given us all the promises in Christ, and we are in Christ, and so all those promises in Christ are full operational. But we got to get in the, in the driver's seat and put some faith to it. That making sense? It's not, you know, sometimes we can make faith a performance. But we're just believing what God said. Just like Abraham, he was, he didn't, he, all contrary to hope, he just believed God. He didn't perform, it wasn't based on performance, he was just, God said it, I said it sells. And, and we, we just need to believe God, and we need to believe who God says we are in Christ. Okay, hopefully I'm making sense with some of that. Romans 4, 24. But also for us, okay, let's, let's, let's go verse 23. Now, it was not written for his sake only, talking about Abraham alone, that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, in Christ, who raised up, uh, in God, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. Um, what am I trying to make you know, point I'm trying to make here? I'm picking up mid-thought here. First of all, I just want to uh, make mention of this that you know our justification or justified before God. We're declared righteous before God. Same word. We are we are righteous before God. We are justified before God because Christ has already paid for our sin. He's paid the price. We we know that. Um, but we need to be reminded of that. He was raised for our justification. If God has justified us, then we need to live as if we're justified. If we're righteous, God says we're righteous, then we need to live and we need to think as if we're righteous. We need to know who we are. I don't know about you. I, I meet people all the time, and there's times where I have the temptation too to beat myself up. Because of things I did or didn't do, or whatnot. But we're righteous. And as we grow in our relationship with God, we're gonna we're, we're gonna learn not to do certain things, and we're gonna our desires are gonna change, and, and as the grace of God will teach us and, and godliness and different things. But we need to live as God says we are. No matter what it looks like, but we need to be like God, in other words. When we change how we believe, and we believe in Jesus, it changes how we live. And I, uh, um, it, it, it just changes everything. We're not trying to get righteous. We're not trying to get justified. We're not trying to earn God's promises. We already have received them by grace. We have already received them because we have already been justified to receive them. We need to stop trying to just be justified to receive them and receive the justification we have already received in Christ and believe it. I made mention last week, you know, uh, about forgiveness. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but it just it's okay to ask God for forgiveness, even though He's already done it for us at the cross. He's already forgiven. He's not imputing sins to the whole world. 
He's imputing righteousness. That's what this context was talking about. God's charging righteousness to our account. He's not charging sin to our account. If we have received Jesus. If we have received the payment. If we, you know, if someone paid off your mortgage or your car payment or whatever you might owe, then if someone paid it for you, then just receive the payment. <laughs> and if someone paid, paid off your mortgage, don't keep sending money to the bank. Okay? You don't need to keep sending money if it's been paid off. But God's already paid our bill through Christ, the sin, but some of us keep sending him payments. And we do that because we think our prayers are going to get answered if we somehow deserve it. We might not necessarily say those words, but sometimes we are thinking that psychologically and subconsciously. But God, we are already justified <coughs> to receive all the promises of God in Christ. Everything you need. Your full inheritance is in Christ because the testator has already died. And we have died in Him. And we've been raised together with Christ. We are justified. And everything He has is mine. In Christ. that making sense? Because sometimes we're still trying to get justified. We're still sending Him payments in a sense. Trying to, to earn God's, earn a mer our merit and answer to our prayer. We don't need to do that. We're actually frustrating His grace when we do that. You know, if someone already paid the bill, the bank, if, I, if I'm the banker, and someone already paid off your account, but you keep sending payments, you're going to frustrate me as a banker. <laughs> because I'm going to have to send you that payment back. And it's going to be more work, and it's not going to look good in the books, and different things. And it, as an accountant, it's just going to be very frustrating. I've been a bookkeeper. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't like it when people uh, don't, don't pay their bills. But I also, it's also a problem when they overpay the bills. That doesn't happen very often, but uh, sometimes uh, things happen, you know. And it, it, it just becomes more paperwork. And this is just from a natural perspective. But it frustrates that grace. It frustrates that system. It frustrates that account. It, it, it's nowhere in comparison. But we frustrate God's grace when we try to earn it by our performance. He's already done it. Believe God. You are justified. You... I meet so many Christians, they're trying to impress God. God's already impressed with you. He was impressed with you when you were at your worst. He's seen you on all your worst days. And he's always, he was so impressed that he died for you. And he, he only sees you in, if you're born again, he only sees you in Jesus. God sees reality, he has no... Being in Christ is reality. And he sees you in your full potential and your true nature in Christ. And we need to see ourselves that. And when we see ourselves that way, we won't be saved. We won't be, if we have some addictions or problems or hang-ups, they will go away. There might be a, a, a process, there might be a maturing process of growing up in Christ. But they will fade if we will continue in, to walk with Him in real relationship with Him. They will fade. And now, because you, when you know who you are in Christ, being in Christ is such more beautiful 
than wrestling with all that or junk. Whatever that might be. You know, the picture I always get somewhere is the, the, the group of ducks, birds, wallowing in this dirty old pond. When on the other side of the hill is a big ocean lake. Fresh, clean, waterfalls, springs. Everything, everything that they would want for their perfect habitat. Did I say that right? And, and, uh, but they're, they're, they're settling for the dirty old muddy mur murky pond when just on the other side of the, the hill is heaven, an oasis for them to enjoy. Sometimes we're, we're, we're wrestling with all kinds of stuff when all we got to do is simply believe that Christ has already provided for us. Stop settling for mediocre when God has given you an abundance of life. Every promise is yes and amen in Him through you, through us, if we will simply believe. Galatians 1.6 Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him. From who? Christ. So uh, Galatians 1 6. Sorry if I'm going too fast. I want to read that again. Galatians 1 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him, Christ, who called you in. Oh, I'm sorry, God. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him, God, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven preaching any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be a curse, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, and what you have received, the hand be accursed. So that things in here some strong language of Paul, uh, especially to the Church of Galatia. But uh, uh, well, I just want to make a point here, real quick. You know, when we add anything to Jesus's performance on the cross, Calvary, we are in a sense moving away from the gospel. Anytime we add or take away uh, from what Jesus did, we are actually moving ourselves away from the gospel of Christ. Another way of saying that is, we are actually moving our way from grace. We are actually moving our way from the promises. We are moving our way from, and actually, ultimately, we are actually moving ourselves away from Christ himself, in a sense. We are, because all the promises of God are in him. But anytime we add or take away to what Jesus has already done, you know, you can't add anything to make what Jesus has already done, to make it more better. Either Jesus is enough, or Jesus isn't. But I believe that the Word of God teaches that Jesus is enough. And what He accomplished, His grace, His promises, His who we are in Him is enough. See, the problem with religion so many times is that if we add something, religion so many times adds to what Jesus is already done. Now we have we have to believe Jesus plus we have to do this. Once you start saying Jesus is not enough, then you have to start adding things. For example, 
in uh, circumcision, or you have to start, and then when you add something like circumcision, then you have to add the law. And when you start adding circumcision to the law, you are saying that Jesus is not enough. And if, and if, and, if, and, and we just read in Romans chapter 4, verse uh, 14, I think it was, that if, if, if we do that, then we make the promise of no effect. We make faith for uh, we we have to receive what Christ has already accomplished for us at face value. You know, when God told Abraham he was going to be a father of many nations, Abraham didn't question him. Well, God, how's that going to be? I'm 99 years old. And, you know, and going through the, the whole genetics of how that was going to work. No, he just believed God. And he... Now, Abraham did make the mistake of trying to help God. You know, when we try to help God, you know what we end up doing? We end up making an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. Now, some of us might not understand the story of an Ishmael and an Isaac. But an Ishmael became the, the persecutor of Isaac. Ishmael is where a lot of the... Uh, it, it, the, the, the whole mess is in that. But Ish, the Ishmael become a persecutor. They're both sons of Abraham, but from different mothers. One's called the bondwoman, and the other's called the free woman. One is from the lust of the flesh, and one is from the promise of the Spirit of God. And I don't want to make something man-made that is a, a counterfeit that is an obstacle. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I get my oar in, 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 the, in the ship, in the boat, I make a mess. You know, and uh, you ever get something that's kind of broken, and instead of taking it back in to get repaired, you try fiddling around with it? You just make a bigger mess. And what was actually the original problem that was probably an easy fix is now we don't even know where to start. You know, and, and the whole thing just got to have a do-over. You know, I, I, I can talk about this from so many different angles, but it's just that uh, we just need to believe God. And God doesn't need our help in the sense of us making help and make it happen. If we have a part to play in it, he'll tell us. You know, Israel, when they went to war, sometimes they, uh, they had to fight. But sometimes they just had to stand still and see God do it. So if we have a part to play, then God will tell us. Sometimes we're praying, Lord, what I need to do, what I need to do. And sometimes, and I like what Greg Moore said, told us at Karis, that sometimes if, if, in those type of prayers, if God's not telling you anymore, then maybe you, you, already, you know all, all that you need to know on the matter. Because if you know anything more, you're going to make a mess of it. You're going to try to, you're going to, try to take the reins. You're going to try to do it. But sometimes we just have to stand still and see God do it. And if we have a part to play, I'm not saying we don't speak to our mouth. In the New Testament, we have authority. And I'm not saying we don't use all that stuff. Well, it's going to be of God. God's going to do this. And it's going to be beautiful. That making sense? Um, um, hope we're making sense with all this stuff. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Verse 6. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? 
just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, that only those who are of faith are of the sons of Abraham. Therefore, those only know that only those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. So, in one sense, we have to be believing in God's grace to be the sons of Abraham. And uh, um, see, God, Abraham. First of all, Abraham was was accounted him for righteousness not because he performed well, and I know I keep repeating this, but because he believed God. With the believing God, that meant he was declared righteous and had brought the promise to be a full effect. I know I spent a lot of time with Abraham, but Paul spent a lot of time with Abraham too. But we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hammer this in over and over again. We, God says we're blessed. We need to be blessed. We need to see ourselves blessed. We are justified, we need to see ourselves justified. We are righteous, we need to see ourselves righteous. We are complete in Him, we need to see ourselves complete in Him. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us if we are going to fulfill our destiny. If we are going to fulfill our purpose. Whatever that is. Even in this stage in our life, this season in our life, in the next season, whatever that might be. If we're going to fulfill our destiny, our purpose, we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. And that's, that's huge. Because I, I don't want to just live life and exist. I want to be, be fruitful. I want to do something. I wanna, and, and, and I'm not trying to, uh, I, I'm not competing with anyone. I just want to fulfill my purpose in the purpose of life. I want to do something for the kingdom of God. I want to, 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 I want to live this life to the fullest. And even if I lost time, I messed time, God can restore the years that were wasted. It said in Joel chapter, chapter 2. But, uh, you know, uh, but I want to, I God has a purpose for my life. God has a purpose for your life. It is not just to exist. It is not just to struggle through this life. But we are to excel. And we, are, we have a purpose. And it's not just for you. And it's not just for your family. That is a good starting place. You can't bless others if you're not blessed yourself. You can't. <coughs> and there's people you can you can reach and I can't reach. And God has given people in your life that are, are purposeful that God's put in your circle of influence. But God wants to bless you. God wants to bless me. God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to our world, wherever and however that may look like. But we're, we're going to struggle being that blessing and coming to our full potential if we're still struggling with who we are. We, there's got to be a starting point. There has to be, uh, we have to know who we are. I mean, I'm just thinking about this just now. I've watched a lot of superhero movies through the years. And a lot of those superhero movies, the, the superhero is struggling with his identity. And in his weakest moments, he's struggling with his identity. But when he finally, I mean, I've seen, I've seen Spider-Man movies, uh, Superman movies, Avenger movies, you know, of different kinds, but when they finally were settled with who they were, that's when they were strongest. That's when they were the most effective. 
And that, I'm just using a, a natural illustration to illustrate my point. When we know who we are in Christ, we are greater than any Superman, Spider-Man, Avengers, and, and the whole the whole dynasty of superheroes. That making sense? We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. The enemy is. We think we're afraid of the enemy. The enemy is afraid of us if we know who we are. Because we are unstoppable. We are unmovable. We can call, call those things are not as though they are if we know who we are because all of the promises <coughs> are yes and an amen through us. They're through us that they're yes and amen, that they're in operation. But if we don't even know who we are in him, we're never going to put them in operation. And then we're never going to, that's never going to, but if we know who we are, and we know what those promises include, we are the enemy's worst nightmare in our sense. That makes sense? We're the heaven of hell. We're, the devil doesn't have any authority over us. We have authority over him. In Christ. We have authority over death. We have authority over uh, sickness. We have authority over finance. We, Jesus had authority over the fish and over the storm. We, have a, we can change the weather. The problem is, if you like hot and I like cold, we might have <laughs> difficulty. <laughs> but, you know, all things are possible to him who believes. I can have my own little rain cloud right here, you know. <laughs> Snow. <laughs> I have a friend. Uh, uh, we have friends uh, they're here in Iowa. They're, they're actually from Kenya. Uh, they're missionaries, but uh, uh, he keeps posting. Because it happens to cold weather back there. He goes, he, "Who keeps ordering this uh, cold weather?" I go, "Sorry, you got the wrong address. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll exchange." <laughs> so anyway, but uh, okay. Uh, I already quoted this, but let's go to First Peter. Two nine. I mean, just uh, yesterday I was turning on the heater for a little bit. Today I'm turning on the AC for a little bit. So anyway. But you, and you can take this personal, because you means you, and it means me. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are a peculiar people. You know, I wrote this down. I think I heard this from Lawson. If people don't look at you funny once in a while, you need to believe more. <laughs> we are peculiar in the eyes of the world. But, uh, you know, we're I said this before. We're believers because we believe. That's what we do. Let's go back to Galatians. All right. Talk about it. How do you keep your finger there? Let's go to verse 9, Galatians 3, 9.
circumstance, or they focus on Christ, on the, the Word of God. I'm not saying they might not give uh, me an update what's going on in the natural, but what is their focus? What are they trusting in? What are they relying on? What are, are, are they, is, is fear talking or is faith talking? Are they overwhelmed by the circumstances or I are the language. I know this is what's going on, but I know that I know that I know this is what God says. I'm standing on it. Will you stand with me? Will you agree with me? Uh, I I know. Or I'm could be. I know what this says, but I know I'm struggling right now. My faith because my, but, because my fears are trying to clobber my faith, so to speak. And I and uh, I know it, but I, I can hear I can hear faith and unbelief and something like that. But they're being honest about it. And you can hear it. You can hear. You can hear it. I've heard people go on and on and on and on and on about the circumstance, but never, never give anything about what God says. And I can hear some people. They, 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 this is the circumstance, but they go on and on and on about what God says. You can hear faith. You can, you, or you can hear unbelief, because uh, and, and and you can hear it. But uh, and so are the promises, in a sense, are are voice activated, but they're going to come out of the abundance of the heart. And uh, it's not just magical words, you know, it, it does no good in one sense to say the right words, but have no faith. It's not just, it's not saying the right words, it's believing the right thing. That makes sense, there's a big difference there. You can say the right, I can tell my wife everything she wants to hear, but she can tell if, it, if it's true or not. <laughs> she can tell if I'm just mouthing words or... or trying to please her or if it's true. You can tell, in a, especially when you know somebody, you can tell if they're just telling you what you want to hear. Are they are genuine and they're real? You know, and so it, 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 uh, it's not saying the right thing and believing the right thing. It's believing the truth. And if you're believing the truth, it's going to change how you talk. So, okay. Um, 
But let me just say this. This is the reason Christ came. Christ came to purchase us out of the curse of the law. It says that, down here, okay. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. That's why Christ came. We are not cursed. Sickness is a curse. Lack is a curse. Other things in life is a curse. But we are not cursed. We are blessed. Christ became the curse for us. And, uh, and so, uh, we need to, uh, Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Christ has redeemed us from sickness, poverty, slavery to sin, uh, uh, spiritual death. Um, in other words, there's so many different things that we know this, but in verse 14 it says, that the, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Again, why am I spending so much time on Abraham? Because all the promises that God made to Abraham, he made to us. And because he made it to Abraham and his seed. And if we are of Christ and we have Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so, He's saying all these things so that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. That's you and me. Unless you're a Jew. But it's upon the Jews too. In Christ Jesus. Upon the Gentiles. Where? In Christ Jesus. We're talking about in Christ realities. The blessings of Abraham are in Christ Jesus. But they will come upon us if that we might so that we can receive the spirit of the promise if we will believe. In other words, Jesus came to die on the cross so that the blessings of Abraham might come on us. And I don't know if I fully understand everything. I just believe God. That makes sense? I don't know if I, I can connect everything. Generations apart. Abraham and then Jesus coming on the scene from a natural perspective. But... God, the, the blessings of, because Christ came to redeem us from the curse so that the blessings of Abraham might come upon us. So if that's true, I want to know how Abraham's been blessed. What were the blessings? What were those things? Because if I, if, if I can have it and it's good, I want it. And so, uh, do you, how many of us want everything that God has for us? Or just a little bit? Or, and, one, and you don't have to work for it. All you got to do is believe it. But sometimes it's hard. We can't believe something we don't know that we have. You know, that makes sense? And we might not know everything, but we at least know that there's blessings. And I want all of it. So that I can use it for His glory. For His honor. Um, and I'll be very repetitive when... But I'm doing this for proper reasons. Let me just say this: any you're born again, if you're born again, you are spiritually wealthy. You have all of God, all of heaven, all of the blessings at your disposal. I've just been chewing on that this last week. Spiritually speaking, we are wealthy. Wealthy. And I figured out that that might be uh, a different concept that we've thought about before. Let's go to Galatians 
I'm sorry, verse 15. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it, not only, though it is only a man's covenant, yet it is confirmed no, no one knows or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed was a promise is made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul a covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of non-effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. If we can earn it, it's not a promise. It's a debt. You know, when we work, we we get a paycheck. It's our earnings. We earned it. The grace, the promises of God, He didn't earn it. He didn't work for it. Christ gave it to you. And God made a promise, made a covenant, and confirmed it before the law came. God made a promise to be 430 years before the law ever came. And he confirmed it. So the promises of God that we have in Christ are ours not on the basis of what we do but based on what he did at the cross. That makes sense? Because it had nothing to do with the law. It was 430 years, and it's a promise. It's not something we earn. I said this before, I go down to verse 29, Galatians 3 29. And if you are Christ, and you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to that promise. That make sense this morning? Right, I have just a few moments. I'm going to wrap up with uh, one, one little thing here. I'm not going to necessarily turn to it. But in uh, Genesis chapter 32, we have the story of Jacob. I'm not going to go through the whole, the whole story. I only have about nine minutes left. And so I'm going to keep this a little short. But I'll, I'll get us out in time. But... Just as God changed Abraham's name, from Abel to Abraham, God changed Jacob's name too. Have you ever read the story about Jacob and Esau, where Jacob stole Esau's birthright? And when Jacob, I mean Isaac, their father, gave a blessing, and, and uh, Jacob, whose name that's planter, he deceived his father to steal Esau's birthright, being, I mean the firstborn. And once Esau had realized what had happened, Isaac told Esau that the blessing that he had blessed Jacob with under disguise cannot be reversed. God has blessed us in Christ, and it cannot be reversed. Does that make sense? The blessing. What God has spoken is a covenant. It can't be reversed. We studied last night. It's an eternal covenant. It's an eternal inheritance. So nothing in this world can touch it. It's eternal. Okay? 
They are powerful. But Jacob, and then in Genesis 32, I'm not going to turn there, but Jacob is on his way to go meet Esau after he spent several years with Laban. He's got two wives. He's got all these sons. Now he's on his way. He's fearful. On the way, he, he, he's, he's dialoguing with God. He's praying to God. He's reminding of God of his covenant and his word. There's different things I can say about that. But basically, he, he's fearful. As he gets closer to the scene, he starts sending some caravans ahead of him with gifts, trying to soften his brother up before he gets there. He hears that his brother's coming at him with 400 men. That doesn't help him. You know, when you know that your brother's come to meet you, and you know that you're already at odds, but now he's coming with 400 men, now you're like, okay, why is he bringing so many, so many bodyguards? <laughs> a lot of bodyguards. Just for a brother and brother to reunite. But until he sends our seeing caravans, he, he sends two, two caravans aside with gifts of camel, auction, because he's blessed. He's blessed exceedingly. I mean, it says in Scripture that Abraham was blessed, Isaac was, a, was uh, very blessed, and it said that Jacob was extremely blessed. And, uh, and then finally, finally, he sends his wives and his sons ahead. I mean, he, he's so scared, he's going to be the... He could, if something goes wrong, if something goes south, he's fleeing Dodge. You know? Now, he, you know, anyway, that's, he, uh, that's just a story. But then he finally, we finally... Uh, I'm skipping through my notes because I have some other things that we're going to talk about with this. But... He finally comes to the scene where he's wrestling with God. He wants a blessing. He wants God to bless him. He wants this to go well. He wants it to end well. He wants God to bless him. He knows God's covenant with him, but he's still wrestling with that. And uh, he's having God, he wants God to bless him. And as he's wrestling with God, God. He's wrestling with the angel, which I believe was a pre-incarnate of Jesus, and there's scripture I can bring out to, to justify that. But regardless of that, that's, not, that's besides the point, it's a, it's a minor point, is that God touches his thigh. The thigh is the strongest bone of the body. And he, uh, and, and then in that, he also changes his name from being supplanter to being called Israel. Means prince. And I just want to actually, I do want to turn something real quick. Go with me real quick if you if you want. Genesis thirty two. I'm gonna pick it up at the end of the story. We'll start with verse twenty four. And Jacob was left alone. Like I say, he said, I went ahead. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he, this man, touched the socket of his Jacob's hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
And so he, this man, this angel, whoever, said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, which means supplanter. And he said, our deceiver, is another way of looking at that. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, your name, I pray. And he said, what is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. And so Jacob called the name of the place Kinnah, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. That's one reason why I believe it's a, uh, uh, Jesus pre-incarnate, because he said he saw God face to face. But uh, and we have some other instances of that in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Old Testament. Um, I, I just got to make this short because I'm basically out of time here. I've got four minutes left. But I believe Jacob, and when you say the life of Jacob, his whole life he's been supplanting, deceiving people to get everywhere he got. He got a blessing. He had a covenant relationship with God. He deceived his father. He deceived his brother. He deceived Laban in many ways to, to become rich. He, 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 he just, he's, that was his name. And so, but he got, and even this whole coming back to Esau, he's sending teams to soften his heart. He's doing everything in the flesh. He's doing everything in his own power to try to, to be successful. He's, he's got a relationship with God, but he's trying to do it on his own. But I believe that when God changed his name here, and he, he wrestles with God, God gets him to a point where he begins to relate to God differently. He's not relating to God based on his strength. He's relating to God based on who he is now. He's relating, he, 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 he's relating to God based on God, and now especially not his hip, his, his, uh, uh, his, uh, yeah, his hip, his thigh, is now weak. God is going to be a strength. He's not going to have his own strength. It's just a, it's a symbol of that. Does that make any sense? He's going to relate to God differently. And he's going to relate to, realize that his source is not him, but God. And his covenant relations with God. And he's going to receive, see, even, even then, this whole wrestling match, he's wanting a blessing, knowing that he's not the source. He's wanting God to bless him. And some of us religiously, all of our lives, whatever, we've been wrestling in a sense, maybe not the same way, shape, and form that Jacob had, but we were wrestling for God to bless us, bless our health, bless our finances, bless our lives, whatever it might be. Christ has already done it. We just need to receive it. I'll spend some more time next week, but we'll be looking at as we get into some new, more New Testament stuff, God changed Saul's name to Paul. Well, Saul couldn't rest on his own education, his prestige, and as a Pharisee of Pharisees and whatnot. He had to rest. He, his motivation was knowing who he was in Christ. I'll bring up one other thing about Jacob's prayer habits and some Old Testament prayer habits versus the prayers I see in the New Testament. And they're different. A lot of the prayers you see in the Old Testament are begging God wrestling with God. But in the New Testament, especially Paul, he's not wrestling with God. He's praying based on who he is in Christ. 
difference. There's an Old Testament type of praying, and there's a New Testament type of praying because of who we are in Christ, and we pray differently because not, we're not trying to wrestle with God; we're relating to God on a totally different basis. Let me con conclude this section of our series so far. We're going to start changing a uh, different direction starting next week a little bit. But I have given three examples this last few weeks. The twelve spies, Abraham, the last two weeks, and a little bit of Jacob. I've been trying to talk about the value of identity, and let me just close with these notes as we, as we wrap this up. Uh, the value of our identity determines how we receive or what, or let me say that again. The value of identity determines what we receive in life, good or bad. We must have the proper identity to receive the proper destiny. That's one of the points I was trying to make with Abraham. Abraham, he, his name was changed from, to, I forget what Abraham means again, but it, it was changed to father of many nations. His name pointed to his destiny. We are a child of God. That is who we are. We call ourselves Christians. We're in Christ. We're believers. We believe. The proper identity helps us relate to God and realize our source of strength is Him. Our, the proper identity helps us receive the blessing that we are. When we change our identity, we can change our destiny. We need to see ourselves how God sees us in Christ. I said this in my first lesson, but what are we going to believe? What identity are we going to take? Because that identity will determine how we receive from God. It will determine whether we appropriate the promises that God has already provided us in Christ. And we're going to be talking a lot more about that, those promises and from a more New Testament perspective in the, in the coming weeks. But I, wanted, I, I use these three stories hoping it was fruitful to shed some principles some lights on our identity. And uh, there's some key times where God changed people's names. And, uh, and, and, and we became born again. And it says in Acts chapter 2 that we were baptized into the name of Jesus. That's, that's key. We were baptized. Baptismo means emerge into the name of Jesus. When we get married, she changed her name. Names are significant. And our name has been changed. We now wear the name of Jesus. We've been married with Christ. We have his name. So that's why we can ask anything in his name. And he will do it. Lord, we just thank you for this amazing, amazing grace. I know I shared a lot of things today, this week, and this, and this, uh, this series so far. And my heart is that we will see us as you see us. That we will begin to know and be established in the fact of who we are in Christ. 
or I don't know how well I'm communicating it, but Lord, I pray that you would help us receive it, understand it, and walk in it, because it will determine how we live and are effective in this world. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing, amazing inheritance, and heritage that we have in you, our Savior and our King. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. We'll see you right if you can. And blessings to the Lord.